to the Skeptic Wire. Fifth of March, two thousand fourteen, episode one fifty two of the Skeptic Wire. I am your host, Gary Lawn, and with me this week are Greg Pride, Hiya, Donald Swafford. I'm here, but I'm not. And special international guest star Richard Hodes. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to my underground lair. <laughs> <laughs> so, how's everybody's week been? This well, we don't know because we're actually pre-recording this. <laughs> it will have been a awesome week, I'm assuming. Yes, I will have climbed mountains and fallen down dells. <laughs> I, I will have flown a couple of times between now and when this episode airs. Excellent. Uh, Richard, will you, will you have done, been, done stuff? <laughs> I will have had on done um, sleeping. Yay! Yay! At least somebody will. <laughs> All right, uh, do we want to start with a birthday or do we want to talk to, to Richard first? Let's talk to Richard. The listeners don't know who Richard are. Who Richard, Richard are. Richard oh, <laughs> He'd be a pirate. <laughs> the listeners don't know who Richard is, so why don't you introduce yourself, Richard? Certainly. My name is Richard Honus. Uh, as you can probably tell from uh, my voice, I'm not from Roundeer. Uh, <laughs> I'm, You're Scottish. Uh, I'm, no, uh, I have some Scottish ancestry, but uh, I'm actually from South East London. Hold on, um, say say Shrek and Donkey. What? Shrek and Donkey. Okay, you're not Scottish. Uh, hey, donkey. Oh, Shrek Donkey. Oh, I, you know, that's how you know someone is Scottish. The morning, I'm making waffles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm from uh, I'm from southeast London. Um, I am six foot tall. I am uh, <laughs> in weight, uh, thirty nine and a half years old, and um, yeah, well, that's basically me in a nutshell. Uh, long walks on the beach. Yeah. Long walks on the beach. I like playing music. <laughs> um, I perform musical theatre. I do karaoke every now and then. Um, yeah, but who doesn't? <laughs> oh, oh yes. yeah. And um, <laughs> I and um, and uh, I am an atheist. And a skeptic, and Shut all of those other things that um, usually uh, are spoken about on these podcasting type things. Right, but you're you're kind of you're kind of bored with atheism. No, wait, you're on the board of atheism. I'm on the board of a couple of groups. I'm one of the founding members of Atheism UK, which is the uh, UK's only distinctly atheist organisation, which has been set up for the promotion of atheism and the challenging of religious faith. Um, an organization that I helped found ooh, back in 2009, which in itself is uh, an affiliate of another organization that I'm involved with, the Atheist Alliance International, of which I was elected onto the board back in July at the uh, last Dublin convention. It's um, something that I'm very pleased to be involved with, and I'm sure we'll get to talk about it a bit in this upcoming conversation. Quite so possibly. What are the, the main things that you, you said Atheism UK kind of tries to do the challenging of religion and kind of separation of church and state kind of stuff. Uh, what is kind of the main goal and thrust of the AAI organization? 
Well, the Atheist Alliance International is itself actually a, a global federation of atheist and three-fourth organisations and individual members. Our main commitment is to educate its members and the public about atheism, secularism and other related issues. We try to be a, a positive voice on the global stage for atheism. We try to strengthen cooperation between atheist groups and, and free-thought organisations around the world. We try to help in establishing such groups in countries which either don't have them or desperately need them. We facilitate and support projects that promote atheism, critical thinking, those sorts of things, whilst also challenging um, and combating discrimination against atheists around the world. So um, it's a little portfolio there. <laughs> uh, no. but if, I mean, to, to, to try and sum things up in, in one word, it's about educating. Well, it's education, educating people, that's two words. Yeah, it's about education and trying to educate the public and wider society. Now, you've probably followed the stuff that goes on in the United States with atheist groups and atheism. How do you think that your tack with the UK changes with what you know about how we have to do it here in the United States? Well... On, on a broad know, scale, of course. <laughs> Well, the first thing is you, um, you actually have a great advantage in your First Amendment, which you know, sets out a legal separation between church and state. Jealous where, much? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah but, then, um, um, yeah, but then in practice, somehow it doesn't seem to work that well. Right. <laughs> Whereas, obviously, in the UK, we have a state religion. The head of state is also the head of the church. We have bishops that sit as a matter of right in our legislature. We have prayer in schools. We, you know, we actually have, it's written in the law, that every state-funded school has to have a daily act of worship of a broadly Christian character. Yet, when you actually spend your time here, in practice, it's actually a very, very secular place. When the whole storm came up, when... Tony Blair got elected Prime Minister all those years ago, back in 97. His um, chief advisor was asked about his prayer habits, and he basically turned around and said, we don't do God. Even though we now know that Blair is a highly religious individual, it's actually not seen as something that the public trust in our politicians. We generally don't do God in politics in this country, um, and that's a good thing. The problem that we have is many of the problems that we have are so insidious that it's very difficult for people to realize that these things have an effect on our society. And getting people to care is, I think, quite difficult. But again, to parallel some of the things that go on in the United States, um, you know, I've been to various places around, around uh, that country of yours, and I found in places where religion is a big thing, the atheist groups there tend to be larger, they tend to be more vocal, they tend to be more active. And when you go into some of the parts of the country where religion is not as big a problem, often the groups there are not as big or not as active. So it's, um, it's, it, it's, it, there seems to be a corollary there. The, the bigger the influence of religion, the, the more active the atheist community. But mm. it also parallels in, in, the, in fact that America as a whole is a fairly religious place. And uh, I enjoy coming over there to um, engage with the atheist community in, in the States because it's always fascinating to hear some of the stories, although quite concerning, 
because um, some of those problems are so upfront and are so in your face and awful. We Americans have a tendency to export our religious craziness, for example, creationism or trying to get the anti-gay bills in Uganda. We're, mm. we, we tend to export, and maybe that comes from – I've heard some people suggest that the reason why America is the outlier in the Western nations about how strongly religious and how loudly religious our people are is because of the First Amendment saying that we're going to – separate church and state that allows essentially all of these minority people to just be as loud as they want so that that competition in the market of ideas makes people more want to win that competition and be vocal yeah. and and fight whereas in places like the UK where listen there's just this one state religion if you're another religion we don't care but let's just not make this a competition so it it doesn't become as big of a thing but well, I think far, Gary Gary disagrees with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, interestingly enough, I was having this very conversation on Friday, and I was wondering if maybe the vocal people in the United States, or rather the loudness of religion in the United States, as opposed to, say, a lot of the UK, is because we are a younger state, because the UK has kind of a lot of history, and it's kind of been through all of this. We've so, been around a while. Yes. Yeah, so so you have the state religion, and and the Church of England is basically kind of not not like Catholicism, where it's because it's a state religion that's been around a while, and everyone kind of knows the history of why it was made. It's just kind of a eh sort of thing, whereas we haven't had a big religious overtake of our government yet <laughs> so we haven't well, been through that type of stuff I mean, it's, yeah, it's interesting because i mean i mean most of certainly northern europe is pretty much the same i mean i was talking to a friend of mine who is from sweden a couple of weeks ago and sweden is the same as the uk but more so it's even less religious even though that also has a state religion um, and in fact there's even i believe a religion tax which the government <laughs> will collect on behalf of the state religion. Huh. Yeah, Sweden is one of those countries which now has a majority of people that are non-religious. That's very odd. <laughs> yes. I mean, one, one, of the, one, of the interesting, one of the interesting ideas that, um, that I was thinking of a while ago is, I mean, you guys know Daryl Ray and the, the God virus um, idea. The Church of England is pretty much a weakened form of the virus. Right. And uh, by giving giving it to us um, at a fairly young age, we seem to have been uh, we've had our vaccine. Uh, <laughs> uh, because I mean, between you, me, and the gatepost, the Church of England is boring. <laughs> <laughs> Could it also be that because America likes to call itself a melting pot, but I don't think it is so much as the the UK is, where you have you know you walk a hundred yards, you're in a different country with a different language and a different attitude towards religion. So you get a little bit more, I guess, tolerant. You can kind of see the craziness almost immediately. Whereas the United States, it's kind of, you have your little crazy bit and you have to go a little bit a ways before you get to the, to the next bit of crazy. The exception being major metropolitan areas like New York city, sure. where everything is all mixed together. So people a little bit more, eh, I don't care about your religion. 
sure. or I see all these crazy bits. I see the Rastafarians, I see the Muslims, I see the Hasidic Jews and the Catholics, and they're all mixed together. So I see it as... You have to get along. Yes, exactly. So you can't be too crazy. <laughs> well, that's not what I've heard about New York, but uh, it's crazy. <laughs> Um, it's, it's, cra- it's, it's crazy in different ways. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. No, it, 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 it's an interesting idea. It's a very interesting idea. But again, you know, come to places, parts of London, and you know, you could cross the street from one district into another, and it is like stepping into a different country sometimes with lots of the different different communities that we have. I mean, London is a very, very diverse. It's one of the most diverse cities in the world. I'd say maybe that diversity is one of the reasons why there is a lot more, eh, not too worried about that yeah. sort of attitude. So, yeah, it, it, it's a possibility. It would be interesting to see if anybody could do any studies on, 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 on that, but uh, I don't know how you would conduct such a study. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> Takes more, more brain power than we have on this show, I guess. Currently. I'll, I'll get my brain back, I promise. <laughs> Just remember that jar of formaldehyde next to the bed. Remember to pop it back into your head in the morning. Yeah? Ah. Take it out. When you take it out at night, pop it in the jar. Fine. Cleans it off. But remember to put it in when you get up. All right. Just make sure it's not Abby something before. Uh, yes. <laughs> I was watching that the other night. <laughs> yes, I believe his name was Abby Normal. Yes, indeed. Well, let's, let's, uh, I mean, we, we kind of touched on the subject. We've talked about the mildness of religion as, as you, you see it in the UK, but you guys have the UKIP, which I don't even know what that stands for. You'd think I would, because... United Kingdom Independence Party. Ah, and they tend to attract crazy and racist people, do they not? <laughs> well, um, <clears throat> obviously, I am not going to make any political statements... Um, about the current state of a, of a political party in the UK. But, I uh, will. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually uh, follow a lot of the humorous panel shows that the BBC is so fond of. Hmm. <laughs> and they tend to yeah. call out UKIP. But you, you uh, recently had, and I think are in the, in the midst of, a lot of flooding, are you not? We, we are indeed, yes. We've had uh, one of the uh, wettest... Winters on the record. There That's are... what she said. I took. I sorry, sorry, Greg. I took your thing. <laughs> That's okay. There are there, there there are some parts of the country that are currently uh, underwater at the moment. Area of the county of Somerset is a very large amount of it is underwater. Parts of Oxfordshire and there's even parts of Sussex, not that far from where I live, down in a place called Purley, where hmm. they've been having some major floods and. Um, that hasn't stopped a local councillor from the town of, I believe it was Henley. Henley-on-Thames, um, Oxfordshire. Henley-on-Thames, yes, yeah. in Oxfordshire. David Sylvester, a local councillor, so an elected official, did a very strange thing and uh, basically blamed the flooding on Prime Minister's support for gay marriage, which um, has recently become law in the UK, and... He actually, this, this uh, councillor left the Conservative Party, apparently, because of this issue, and wrote to the Prime Minister, and um, he's been saying all sorts of completely wacky things about it. So this Conservative guy, the Conservative Party, wasn't Conservative enough for him? Well, our Conservative Party, compared to, should we say, American Conservatives, is downright liberal. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so what you're saying is is that your conservative party is more of a almost Barry Goldwater esque era, you know, stay out of my bedroom, stay out of my wallet, as opposed to our current conservative party, which is if you're not white male and over twenty one, you really don't matter. <laughs> Pretty much, the, the the modern conservative party is 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 much more of um, how can I say it? It, it, it? It's not socially conservative for the most part. Uh, Almost uh, they do have... kind of compare it to a non crazy American libertarian almost what the original oh. idea of libertarianism was kind of fiscally conservative, but socially liberal. You know, that's what Barry Goldwater conservatism is, right? Well, I'm trying to explain things for the kids here in the United States who probably never heard of Barry Goldwater. Oh God, I weep for my country. <laughs> it was. I've heard of Barry Goldwater. <laughs> <laughs> well, just so you know, his wife ran the Arizona Planned Parenthood. Which you would mm. never have today. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. The British, the British Conservative Party is very much um, about traditional British values, but one of those is fairness and tolerance, which uh, bizarrely uh, strange, strange thing to have. But um, they are a right of centre party. Although most of our political parties, we've got three main political parties in the UK: uh, the Conservatives, the Liberal Democrats, and Labour. Labour are considered to be a, uh, a democratic socialist party, but to be honest with you, all three of the parties are so crowded around the centre that there are times when it's difficult to actually tell them apart sometimes. <laughs> um, I mean, there, there, there are some differences between them, but it is very based around the centre. Whereas the UK Independence Party, they were sort of set up more as a, a sort of an anti-Europe party, because... There are significant numbers of people in in the UK that do not want the UK to be part of the European Union. Is and it more anti-immigration or more not wanting to join in with Europe kind of thing, or both? All of the above. Okay. Yeah. The UK Independence Party itself does seem to have uh, attracted some... Um, I believe the word they're using is eccentrics. Uh, <laughs> There are a few real eccentrics within the party who have a tendency to engage mouth before brain. There was one uh, member of the European Parliament. Yeah, they have members of the European Parliament, would you believe? Uh, one of the few elections that they've actually won seats in. And he, I can't remember the name of the guy, but he got up and he said, nobody that runs a business would want to employ a lady because when they get pregnant, the, the employers have to pay for their maternity leave and then he turned around and realized the camera was on him and said that's not politically correct is it but it's true <laughs> oh dear um, D donna is um currently seething <laughs> i thought it was more of a fuming hmm <laughs> she's, she's thieving it, it does Fuming? remind us americans of the discussion we're having nowadays about employers not wanting to pay for their women's birth control oh here we go here we go it was a member of the European Parliament called Godfrey Bloom, and he actually said, and I quote, No self-respecting small businessman with a brain in the right place would ever employ a lady of childbearing age. Sorry. Damn cop is back. Well, let's, let, let's go back to Mr. Sylvester and the flooding. Um, oh, yes. Are the places that are being flooded, are, are they uh, highly conservative areas or are they areas in which 
large populations of homosexuals congregate because this is supposed to be retribution from God. So you'd mm. think that he'd be retributing, if that's a word, re re retributioning against a certain people to show them that they have been bad. Well, it's very interesting because, as I say, it's uh, parts of Oxfordshire, parts of Somerset, which are fairly rural-type areas, and they are generally some of the more conservative parts of the country. I mean, if God wanted to send a message, he'd flood Soho. <laughs> <laughs> or, um, or Brighton. Um, actually, I don't know how Brighton did in the, in the recent floods, but... Um, I guess the Gary. devil's advocate to that would be, well, the conservatives didn't fight hard enough. So since they're ones that believe then they're the ones being punished because they weren't righteous enough. Well, they, they should be punished, but like you said, the rural areas aren't the place that they would... Right. Mm. Because the well, rural areas are the conservative believers and they didn't fight against homosexuality hard enough, they are being punished mm. by their Old Testament-type God. Well, I mean, to give you some idea then, uh, this is what he wrote in the uh, local newspaper, this uh, Councillor Sylvester. So this wasn't I just wrote. an offhand comment. He actually right. decided to write an editorial he, about he this. He thought about it. And after the storm, uh, um, he doubled down, actually, afterwards, after the criticism. But if what he initially wrote in his local newspaper was, I quote, I wrote to David Cameron in April 2012 to warn him that disasters would accompany the passage of his same-sex marriage bill, but he went ahead despite a 600,000 signature petition by concerned Christians, and more than half of his own parliamentary party saying that he should not do so. Now, even as Cameron sheds crocodile tears on behalf of the destitute flooded homeowners, playing as advocate against the very local council he has made cash-strapped, it is his fault that large swathes of the nation have been afflicted by storms and floods. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, and he actually, once, when he was initially criticised, he then uh, came back and he said... The Conservatives are known as the Party of the Queen. The Queen, in her coronation oath, promised to only pass those laws that are consistent with the Christian gospel. Aside, I don't think homosexuality was mentioned in the Gospels, was it? But um, Not much in the New Testament. No, nope. not really that, at all. That's all Old Testament stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. There is a command to love all men, and I hope I love all men. <laughs> in the context of this conversation that's kind yeah. of funny oh yeah <laughs> we are also taught to love the person but hate the sin oh. that old trope yes when told that hundreds of people had said his claim about gay marriage prompting floods was crazy he said that may be so if you're not a person of prayer i am a person of prayer i pray for each member of the cabinet every day and each member of the royal family every day uh, so we have them as well but obviously the reason why this was made such big news is because we don't have that many. Um, right. So when, when this does happen, I mean, bearing in mind, this is a local councillor. This is not a member of parliament. This is not a cabinet member. This is not a minister. Uh, this is probably the lowest rung of elected office that we have. State um, dog catcher here in the United States or something like that. Well, we don't, we don't hold elections for those sorts of jobs. But, uh, <laughs> is, it, is it sort of like a mayor? Uh, sort of a city, city type? City council kind city of council thing, I guess. Thing? Yeah, so yeah, more, more of city council, yeah. Okay. Yeah, here in the United States, we elect our judges and elect our sheriffs, as mm. if the skill to be a law enforcement officer would make any difference in an election. Yes, well, we, we, <laughs> had, rec we had recent elections for a position called police and crime commissioner in the UK, 
they're not chief police officers, but they are elected to hold our chief police officers to account. And it had the record lowest turnout for a national election <laughs> ever. Wow. I believe, I believe that the turnout for that election was something around the average was 15%. Which That's actually pretty awesome. good for the U.S. <laughs> no, for us, that that for us that was a record low, a record low. The the last time that uh, Texas had held elections for the state board of education in my area, uh, I think we had a five percent turnout for I that. I think the area that Greg and I lived in was barely eight percent. Yeah. So yeah, you know we're, we have a representative democracy. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. A representative you know of those people who show up. Exactly. Yes. That's why you show up. <laughs> so, I mean, even this guy turned out to be too crazy for UKIP because they uh, decided to suspend him from the party, and I believe he has actually been thrown out. Wow. Uh, so, uh, so do you find that UKIP is kind of battening down on the crazy then? In other words, trying to rid themselves of, of the crazy people, unlike the Tea Party in the United States. But the Re but the Republican Party is trying to mitigate the insane Tea Party types. UK voters don't like the crazy. Okay. Generally, they do not like the crazy. And I think the leadership of the UK Independence Party are trying to make a lot more inroads into elected office than they currently have. And I think they have realized that they've got to control the crazy. <laughs> Excellent. I hope we can learn something from that. <laughs> do, do we want to move on to birthday then? Sure, let's think, move on think, to I birthday. I think we've killed that subject. We've drowned that one in its crocodile tears. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's, a, that's called a callback. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it makes a lot of sense, Gary. <laughs> well, interesting transition because um, the person whose birthday it is today, who was born March 5th, 1955... Not today, but the day of we're planning on having the show representative for. Anyway, uh, <laughs> he's all trying to talk smart. Time travel. <laughs> it makes sense. I've watched Doctor Who. I understand it all. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, shame you can't go back in time and change that sentence. But I can edit it out of the show. Good point. <laughs> the person whose birthday it is for the show, March 5th, 1955 is um, f pretty famous for having libertarianism as a, um, a tenant of some of his beliefs. He is a fairly well-known entertainer in the United States. Got it. Pendulette. Got it. Yep. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, libertarian entertainer would be for... This show, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, even though I called that one straight away. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, He's I, not I, even from around here. I, <laughs> I didn't think the clues were particularly difficult. <laughs> I do believe he did provide a video for that Reason Rally thing that we met up for uh, a little while, a couple of years ago. Yes. I yes. think so. Yeah, yes, he, he did. He was there. lounging in front of a pool. Yes, and he, yeah. did do a, he did recently do a TV program over here, which I actually didn't... Watch, but, uh, um, it's called uh, Fool, Pen and Teller, right? It was, um, yeah, Fool, uh, was it, I can't remember exactly what it was called, yeah, but something like that, yes. Where, where musicians got up and they tried to do a trick that they couldn't figure out, and if they couldn't figure it out, then the magician would be do, flown to Las Vegas and do a show in Las yep. Vegas. 
I saw that. Well, on YouTube, it's available on YouTube. It's really, it's really a cool show. So, see, I, I, I tend to watch more British shows than American <laughs> shows. I've also read a couple of these books as well, which are, which are quite funny. Yeah. Cool. I actually was on stage with Penn and Teller several years ago after I graduated with my degree in forensics. Did they I saw you they... in half? <laughs> no. What it was is they were doing the trick. bullet catch check bullet, yeah. trick, the double bullet catch. And uh, Penn handed me his 9mm, which he fires at Teller. And I had to examine it, examine the bullet, the casing, the whole nine yards. They did the shoot. He walked over to me, spit the bullet in my hand, and it was the bullet that I had marked up and everything else. I and think I know how they do that trick, but I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> and it was pretty phenomenal. Because cool. I got to sit there and battle dress and undress a gun. I literally took it apart and put it back together in a very short amount of time <laughs> and handed it back to him. And he said, do that again. And so I did it again. And he goes, you did that in like less than a minute. And he timed me and it was 37 seconds. Wow. <laughs> Speaking about undressing, I actually have a card from one of their shows, which has a naked lady on it. I believe it's the three of clubs, which is one of their favorite go-to cards. Cause you can go to a cemetery Somewhere like in uh, near Las Vegas, I think. That's where they do their show, yeah. Yeah, you can go outside to a cemetery, and if you can do the card trick, you can pretend to get the card trick wrong and then go to the cemetery, and there's like a three of clubs in the middle of the cemetery. <laughs> you go, is this your card? But anyway. <laughs> I think Donna's story is a little bit more oh, impressive. Oh, it's way cooler. But, yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what the best part about it was, though, is at the end of their shows, they, they step out, and they do take the time to – talk to take pictures sign autographs for anybody who wants one and i was walking by and pen stopped and said i've got to get a picture with you because that was like totally fucking awesome <laughs> took the picture with me and then handed his phone to my brother who took a picture of us so somewhere on pen's phone there's a picture of me so <laughs> cool speaking of skepticism however Interestingly enough, I got a a uh, shoot a, 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 ex a, a <laughs> an expansion pack for pew pew. Uh, pew, pew. pew pew. I got an expansion pack for for one of my uh, soft sense virtual synthesizers called Zeta Plus. And the reason I say it is, is because the expansion pack is supposed to be about the universe and stuff, and it has a, a magician expansion pack, and it has James Randi listed in it. <laughs> I was like, well, that's cool. Doesn't remind me of James Randi, but it was cool that he named his patch after James Randi. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> so what, what do we know about uh, Penn Gillette that other people don't already know? Um, <laughs> actually, well, my, you know, you guys had a couple little personal stories about Penn Gillette, but Penn Gillette is actually the reason I got into organized atheism and skepticism because mm. I had grown up kind of going to church every week with the family, but it was New Jersey, so it was not a big thing. And, and you know, I, I stopped going to church in my mid-teens and liked science and all that, but never got into anything organized in college or whatever. In my 20s, I started listening to a radio show that Penn Jillette was doing out of Vegas that he kind of, not simulcast, but essentially would release the next day as a podcast mm -hmm. of him and Michael Goudeau, I think it is. His juggler friend. No. Yeah. yeah. Tr not Trudeau. Uh, no. G you're right. It's sort of a G. 
Yeah, because Kevin Trudeau is a I know slimy pig. <laughs> ah, but Gary Trudeau uh, does Doonesbury. Yes. And I, the person I'm thinking of is just a juggler, a juggler right. friend of his. So they would do this show where sometimes they would bring on celebrity friends of theirs, but also they would bring on skeptical people. Like I think James Randi was on there at least maybe once or twice, or he would talk about Hitchens and Dawkins and all that kind of stuff. And it was just one of those classic moments of, I'm not alone. There are other people who are atheists just like me. I mean, in my college, which is kind of a liberal hippy-dippy college, there was the Jewish group. There was the Muslim group. There was even the Christian group or whatever, but there was no organized atheism. So it's just not something I ever got involved with. But then I found out there are these organizations. There are skeptics. There's people who are fighting for more science and rationalism in the world. And this is something I got to get involved with. And that's kind of how – that's my origin story for the superhero comic book that is Skeptic Wire of how I got into skepticism. So when I saw Penn Gillette a couple of years ago at his show in Vegas and went out to just get a picture with him afterwards, it was like, by the way, you're the reason why I've come to conventions like TAM or whatever. Your radio show got me into that. And he's like, hey, cool. you know, Michael Godot. Michael Godot. I think that's what I said. Yeah. But we'll, we'll, we'll fix that in post. Okay. And another fun little fact about Penn Jillette is he is so tall that when he was on the show Fear Factor with Teller, they did a celebrity Fear Factor, the insurance would not cover Penn to do any of the stunts because they couldn't guarantee his safety. <laughs> so it was Teller who actually did all, did of, all, of, them. all of the stunts on Fear Factor. <laughs> yep. Including they were supposed to eat bugs. And, and, and oh, he, yeah. Penn was just picking them up and eating them like No, I mean, Teller chips. just grabbed it and threw them so in his mouth. So did Penn. Oh, did he? Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're both just like, nom, nom, nom. This is great. <laughs> and <laughs> some little Chiquita banana was like, ah! Yeah. They were good at freaking out their, their opponents. Yes. That's pretty much their, their job. <laughs> I mean, they've, uh, they've enjoyed doing things like... They then they make a movie. Penn and Teller get killed, or they kind of. Play they up actually on that and... one of their first appearances was in a movie called My Chauffeur back in the early eighties, where Teller plays a Muslim sheik, and Penn is this grifter pimp guy. It's hilarious <laughs> just watching the two of them play off of each other with bimbos and hoes in the back of a limousine. Yeah, a lot of their early tricks were things like. There was a, a like you would put rats in a cage around Teller's head or something like that, and he would pick the card that way. And he, they like going for that gross factor, and but at the same time, especially nowadays, they like bringing a lot of their atheism, their skepticism, and even their libertarianism into their act to make it also socially conscious. That kind of thing, which is which is interesting. And they have never they're not one of those magician acts, obviously based on their reputation who claim any sort of supernatural powers. Yeah. I, I think Penn has told stories about how there were points where they did include some mentalism in their act and the people would still come after the show and say, I know you said it was all a trick and fake, but can you talk to my grandfather for me or stuff like that? And it just broke their hearts too much that they stopped doing it. Like some other famous magicians in the skeptical area have talked about doing. As a caveat, there are plenty of things that I don't always agree with Penn and Teller about. Mostly their political views, but they are a good vocal and out there 
representative of atheism and skepticism because I think Penn was big on his celebrity apprentice appearance of kind of being the yin to the yang of what it was like a Toby Keith country star guy who was all about being Christian values. Well, you know, Penn was like, hey, atheists do good things too. So he's he's out there and being vocal. An ambassador. It, very good. Thank you. See, me, we Americans not talk good, and we need you British people to help translate for us. We've got a few people who can't talk either. <laughs> In it? But they're mostly doing Cockney rhyming slang, and nobody understands what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> All right, so Penn Gillette is our birthday for the week. Yes. And I think that was actually the quickest we've ever replied... As a group. As a group, yes. Definitely both you and Gary knew it almost exactly at the same time. Donna, you have been very quick sometimes, and you've been gracious enough to let Gary catch up with you. But the fact that also across the pond, Richard knew almost as soon as you guys did. Even with the time delay. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's half eleven here. What, what time is it for you guys? Uh, half five. Wait, is that Where half past or half before? <laughs> Because he's, he's yeah he's he's actually six hours ahead of us. Yes, because I, I have a friend doing uh my on my thesis who's sending me data, so <laughs> I have to figure out when to do that. Hey, do you have an Android phone? <laughs> anyway. I do, and I don't like it. Well, well, Gary needs you then, and that just sounded really creepy. Sorry about that. <laughs> he needs you to be the guinea pig for him. Yeah, so. for his, his Well, your thesis. phone. Your phone to be my guinea pig. Not, so the not first you. step is put the lotion in the basket. That's right. <laughs> and it rubs it on its skin. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> step three, profit. Yeah, step three is question marks. Step four is profit. <laughs> anyway, internet memes for fun and question mark profit. I was thinking more cards against humanity. Okay. Uh, what else we got? What else we got? That was that was that the kosher joke, by the way. No, I can, can I, we slaughter I, that joke <laughs> in the UK in Denmark? No. No, I don't. Because I, I we we're slaughtering it now. <laughs> Certainly slaughtering Ladies that gentlemen, transition. To the wonderful world of segways. Yay! <laughs> Come on, Richard. You know we are famous for our. Um, Stuff. Hey, you know, the guy who, who made this segue segued himself right off a cliff, right? <laughs> Speaking of that, dead animals. That's right. <laughs> because humans are animals. For those people not particularly in the know, the Jewish dietary requirements of kosher, but also the Muslim requirements of halal, require not just that you do or do not eat in certain things like pigs or shellfish or that you're not allowed to be close to dogs, or I, I don't know how much of that is all the halal dietary requirement, but there's also instructions on how you're supposed to prepare your foods. Like I know, of course, that some people who have kosher kitchens have separate knives, separate cutting boards, separate dishes and whatever for separate meat. Separate refrigerators. Separate refrigerators, exactly. For separate houses for their wives. and Fleischig. Okay, I didn't know that. For what? meat versus vegetables and that it's sort of meat thing. versus milk. Meat versus milk. Ah, right, yes. Yeah, mm. milchig, fleischig. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that's why I, th I thought you said something German. I just didn't. <laughs> so actually, more Yiddish? Fleischig is also German, so oh. it's, they, they, they have okay. common roots. Remember, I was raised in a Jewish 
Catholic household. <laughs> Just think about that and understand that's the reason why I'm an atheist. <laughs> Well, in addition to having separate utensils for the you can't mix the milk and meat kind of prohibition, there's also essentially ways that you are supposed to ritualistically kill the animals that you are making part of your meal. Now, apparently there's no rituals for how you're supposed to kill the plants, which I think is a little unfair. <laughs> As does your dog. <laughs> I think we should start the Carrot Liberation Front. <laughs> That's right. Well, this is why the, to the tomatoes got so pissed off in that movie. <laughs> what? Oh, why they attacked tomatoes. and killed? Yeah. I, th I thought you were talking about killer clowns from outer space. but uh, would, that be, would, be, would that be your killer tomatoes? Yes. 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 <laughs> it sounds so much better when he says it, though. Yes. Killer tomatoes. Yes, uh, it, and the, we're just like, killer taters. But that would be potatoes. That's right. Potatoes. Right. No, Killer Maters. That's what it'd be. <laughs> Isn't that the dude from Cars? Yeah, I think so. Well, Cars. we've digressed. <laughs> but you get a point on the movie competition this week, Gary. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm like up three right now. <laughs> yeah, sure, in your own head. Um, <laughs> so one of the things that basically, to boil it down really simply, you have to have an animal that is healthy and viable, which is good. Because you don't want to eat diseased animals. What is healthy and viable? Uh, as, as in, in it can a, procreate. Child-bearing okay. ability. Not so. that it's, it can be a meat source. Yeah, but <laughs> essentially back then, maybe like two, 3,000 years ago, the only way you could really know if an animal is healthy was, did it have healthy kids? Does right. it have any mutations? Is, is something weird going on? Right. So there, you have to have a healthy beast, but then essentially you have to either hang it up or have it on its back or whatever and ritualistically cut its throat with a very, very, very sharp knife. And they're, you're supposed to make sure you get a, the, I guess it's the carotid artery. I, Donna can correct me on the anatomy of veins and, and certain nerves and stuff like that. Okay. You that realize, are in the throat area. Okay. You realize I'm a forensic anthropologist, which means I do bones, not the squishy stuff. Well, I, 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 I figured no, you know we, some. No, I, no, you'd think some of it would rub off on you, Donna. <laughs> no, I know the bones. <laughs> Sorry, didn't mean to insult you, but yeah. Just so going. you have to. <laughs> <laughs> Just gonna move on. I think he listens to the podcast. <laughs> hey. I've met you, remember? No, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. We've, and we, and we've we apologize, hung, Richard. We've hung out and had a pint together. Several, in fact. Yes. And sang karaoke together. And sang karaoke and sang Monty Python songs in the restaurant. Yes. yes. And sang um, Sinatra tunes on the way to the restaurant. Yes, and sung uh, Avenue Q songs on the way home from the restaurant. <laughs> And then got told off by the hotel staff for carrying yes. on singing <laughs> in the reception area of the restaurant at three o'clock in the morning. It was three o'clock in the morning and it was one of those hotels that's basically a big open column of air up the, uh, the 20 right. so, floors of the So you can annoy hotel. everybody. Yes, exactly. It is awesome. one big-ass echo chamber. Uh, it's but, a hotel, though. Yes. Oh, by the way, so apparently singing at 3 a.m. in a echo chambery hotel is halal which means forbidden. 
case that you didn't know. Haram. Oh, okay. Haram? Yeah. I thought it was halal is forbidden. Haram is... Oh, it is. No. Halal it is, haram. is uh, allowed, and haram is forbidden. No, oh, well, so much for my Arabic. Curse the luck. No kidding. <laughs> I blame the Berlitz school. You lose a point on that one, Gary. Damn. <laughs> Thank you for correcting me, Richard. Don't worry. Not the first time. <laughs> <laughs> So, with this kosher ritual slaughter of animals, you have to have a very sharp knife. You have to basically... The animal has to be conscious, and you slit their throat, and you let them bleed out, which, in theory, is supposed to mean that because you've cut such a major artery to the brain, they lose consciousness very quickly, and it means less pain. But there are many different advocacy groups for animals. I, I, I don't know if PETA is part of them, but mostly European oh, advocacy you're, you're groups. Probably, PETA is definitely part of this. Probably, but not as part of this specific story. Because PETA is more of a U.S. kind of organization. Oh, well, bastards. How dare they? <laughs> it's bad enough that we're exporting our anti-gay sentiment, our anti evolution sentiments but we also have to export PETA? Great. I do no. remember seeing them once clubbing a paper, a, a red dye filled papier mache model of a seal on the steps of the Canadian Embassy uh, in Trafalgar Square in London which was very interesting. Oh. It was part of one of their anti-seal clubbing protests. Huh. They've also been racist, um, anti-feminist I mean, really actually don't do that much for animal rights. A lot of publicity stunts, and that's pretty much mostly. Yep. But I don't think Peter's part of this story, but out in Denmark, a bunch of animal advocacy groups have decided that they were going to push to get this halal and, um, what is it, uh, kosher slaughtering technique banned, which is a good thing because really what they want done is simply anesthetize the animal first. So it definitely doesn't feel any pain. They're not full-on PETA kind of, you can't kill animals, you know, we should all live on sticks and rocks kind of people. They're just saying, hey, if you're going to kill the animal, be as gentle as you can about it. Put it to sleep and put it out of its misery really quickly. Whereas if you're cutting an animal's throat, depending on how they're arranged or how the setup is, if they're hanging by their ankles, maybe it's faster or whatever, but... It's still painful. If they're hanging, it's painful by, yeah, and it if takes they're time. Hanging from anywhere, it's not yeah. Yeah. happy for them. And and going into this whole situation, you have got an animal that is scared shitless. They don't know what's going on. They're being held down so that someone can cut their neck, and then the act of cutting their neck releases terror, and that's not a good thing. It's, and then they shit. So it seems that out in Denmark, they have changed the law relatively recently to essentially make sure that the halal and kosher uh, practices are not allowed anymore. But you've got a lot of religious groups, especially uh, rabbis, because I guess they're a little bit more vocal than the Muslim groups, but uh, who are basically saying that the idea of banning kosher slaughter is anti-Semitic, which is, it's it, tough in Europe because there's plenty of actual anti-Semitism. So well, yeah. in this case, it, it could possibly, I mean, you can see how it is almost literally anti-Semitic, but not in the way that is a hatred towards them. It's just, it happens to be against the manner in which they are cruelly killing their animals. Yeah. yeah it, quite literally, sure, I, they have a point, but 
morally and ethically they don't. It, it's really <laughs> just being couched as you're preventing our expression of free religion. Right. So kind of like here in the United States where we've got the law out in Arizona that just got passed that as of the recording of this episode, we don't know if it's been signed yet by Governor Jan Brewer. The explanation for the Arizona law and the basically backlash against this Denmark law are the same thing, saying, no, you're preventing our religious practices by saying that our practices are essentially wrong, where in the Arizonas you're saying that it's wrong to discriminate against the gays, and in Denmark the law is saying that it is wrong to kill animals in this way, and somehow that means your religion is wrong, so people take that personally. I mean, for me, the, one, of the, one of the big questions here is what I describe as uh, the hierarchy of rights. It's one of the things that I know a lot of courts have tried to avoid having to rule on to set, because they don't want to set precedents in saying that right is more important than that right, which is more important than that right. But there are times when the expression of these rights do come into conflict. I support the right for anybody to practice their religion. I, you know, I may, I, as long as they understand that I also have the right to question and criticize but there reaches a point where rights can come into conflict now I, I know that a number of courts have tried to avoid setting precedent on that because they didn't want to set a hierarchy of rights but at the end of the day when rights come into conflict someone has to make a decision if your religious belief expressly says I have to discriminate against gays but at the same time gay people also have human rights to receive services, to receive um, the same recognition as anybody else, and these things can come into can and do come into conflict. This is animal rights coming before religion, as the Danish Minister for Agriculture and Food said. Animal rights come before religion. Okay, that's the decision that he has made. Um, I don't know if there's going to be any legal challenge to that, but it will be very very interesting to see if a ruling has to be made, how they will balance those two ideas of rights. I mean, for me as somebody, and, and I, and I uh, freely admit I am myself a meat eater, I also would prefer that any meat that I do eat is treated in a humane and respectful way. And I, you know, I've seen some of the conditions that some of these slaughterhouses do operate under and I find them absolutely awful and disgraceful so I think this is a good thing uh, I think that um, that this is a an important decision but then you have the backlash that's come out as you say the rabbis in the area have described it as European anti-semitism showing its true colors across Europe well no I don't think so I mean that really <laughs> does mean true anti-semitism that actually does exist across Europe where people are actually being properly discriminated against people are being beaten in the streets people are being called all sorts of awful awful things by public officials you know that's true anti-semitism that is the ugly face of anti-semitism in Europe and that is definitely something that has to stop it does and seem these, in this situation that the the people who are trying to push back on this kosher ban are essentially trying to paint all of that with with one brush, saying that 
well, if you disagree with our religious slaughter of animals, that's the same thing as calling us horrible names, and that means you're also a Nazi. It's it's argumentative ad Hitlerum almost. Yeah, I, I, I've seen very very similar things when people criticise the actions of the Israeli government. Yeah, the first thing that many of these commentators go to is instead of having a political argument about the rights and wrongs of the actions, they go straight into you're you're being anti-Semitic. No, no. I disagree with the actions of this particular government because of this reason, this reason, this reason. And instead of arguing against those reasons, you've gone straight to accusing me of, of, of being a racist, which, you know, is ridiculous. Well, it seems that that's the only argument that they can make, making it about anti-Semitism, because you can't really defend the actions of how they are slaughtering the animals in a modern sense. You don't have any explanation of why you're unwilling to anesthetize an animal first, even if you still cut their throat with this very sharp knife. The fact that they're unwilling to go outside their tradition to say, well, we'll put the animal to sleep first, shows that they really don't have any leg to stand on. So the only argument they can make is saying you're being anti-Semitic or the other argument that seems to come around, which is, well, you guys are willing to let a giraffe be slaughtered and fed to lions in a zoo or that kind of thing, but you're not letting us do this halal or kosher slaughter. So that means that it's, yeah, it's essentially. Well, here's the thing though. In factory type situations for meat production, in butchers, in these other situations, they don't anesthetize. I mean, factory farming really just hits them up alongside the head and then electrocutes them. That's not really any better. So you can't really say, oh, look, this little particular group here needs to do it this way, while the rest of the non-kosher, non-halal are going, oh, yeah, we're just going to shove some amps up its ass. And well, this is European regulations do apparently require animals to be stunned or anesthetized before they're slaughtered. Stunned does not necessarily mean anesthetized, though. Right, but less aware than just being scared and having your throat cut. So it's that gray area where there was an exemption for the religious slaughters, but they've essentially taken away that exemption now. And that's where this, this fight has, has really centered around. And it's just unfortunate from our secular point of view that the idea of, well, can't you change your mind? Can't things change from how you did things 4,000 years ago? I know there's tradition, and that's all fine and good, but we've learned more about how animals feel and about how we can better do stuff. We don't have to, we don't have to kill animals in the same way, just like in the, the same way that maybe a few thousand years ago, the eating of shellfish and a pig may not have been a good idea, which is why it was a good idea to ban it, but things are a lot more sanitary nowadays. So we can eat those animals without fear of a horrible, horrible death. and yeah, allergies. Exactly. Well, the, the other thing is, I want to go back to their argument how feeding a slaughtered giraffe is, is okay, but their halal method of killing... Right, they're isn't. using that as a kind of a sarcastic tool. Yeah, which doesn't make any sense at all, because... <laughs> It's an apples oranges argument. Yeah, it's completely yeah, I, different. Yeah, I wouldn't even use the same. I wouldn't even call it fruits. It's like an apple to egg argument. 
I mean, one other thing I think uh, also worth bringing up here is everybody's acting as this is not something that hasn't already happened in other European countries. I mean, Den Denmark is not the first to prohibit religious slaughter. I mean, I've got here a list, Norway, Poland, Sweden and Switzerland. So a vast chunk of, well, Norway and Sweden, chunks of Scandinavia, most of Scandinavia now, I know that Finland is not uh, represented there, but um, religious slaughter is pretty much on its way out completely in Scandinavia. One of those secular havens which many <laughs> of us uh, do talk about. So it, it, it's not like this is something new either. So if that argument didn't work in those countries, why is it going to work in this one? It's the same thing we're hearing here in the United States where now we have... I've, I've actually lost count, and I think that's a good thing, of how many states have now legalized gay marriage. But that doesn't stop the people in the next state, like Texas or Mississippi or whatever, saying, no, we need to fight this. We're still going to win. We need to stop this, from our point of view, being the secular side, the march of progress. They feel they have to stop it. And essentially, by any, saying anything they can to poison the well, to make the other side seem unreasonable to make these false comparisons of giraffes and halal being, well, why is this okay? But this isn't, well, it's two completely separate things, but it's, it's using those kind of uh, political marketing techniques to try to sour the waters. Exactly. Well, it also might be because Denmark of those countries that were mentioned, uh, Norway, Sweden, and Poland and Denmark, Denmark does have the highest population. I just okay. actually Googled it. <laughs> <laughs> so you got these bigger and bigger population centers. You have centers a bigger population yeah. in Denmark, which is probably why we're seeing the fight back on it. Because Norway has like 0.03% of the population is Jewish. It's 1,300 people in a country of 5 million. So. They can't be as loud, but you, you would also think that there would be organizations outside of those those other countries, the, the Sweden, whatever to that, that they would come in from outside, kind of like PETA coming in from outside to try to fight the, the fight for them to stop that March of progress. But I, I, I don't know what happened when those other countries started banning this, but it seems like the, the rabbis and the Muslim folks are really trying to draw a line in the sand to fight back against this. And it's, it's a symptom of, the questioning of religion and religious practices of all sorts that's happening yeah. all over the place. Here in America, you have, like I said, the gay marriage issue where it's slowly but surely pushing against the convention that you just accept what religion says about gay people or right. you know whether or not women can be in the pol political sphere and leaders and but, stuff like but, that. But have, have you seen the uh, Questioning Darwin HBO special? I haven't. This is a, um, an American film where some of the people interviewed, are, they're all fundamentalists. kind of came out at the same time that the ham knife debate came out. And there's people, there's a, a pastor in there saying, if the Bible says that 2 plus 2 equals 5, I would believe that and I would make the necessary changes to my life to incorporate that into my reality. Hmm. A biblical literalist won't change their concepts even if they find out that the Bible is wrong. Yeah. But we saw that in the debate. I forget what book in the Bible, but there is actually a point where it doesn't actually come out and say it, but essentially in describing how the ratio of 
a radius diameter circumference of a circle, they essentially say that pi equals three, period. Sure. So those people in that uh, Disputing Darwin documentary would believe that, no, pi is three. And, and we are going to believe another, that. Go ahead. There's another passage in there that says a bat is a bird. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and, but I also want to point out in Jewish history, it starts with taking away one right. And then that snowballs into something else. And it snowballs into wearing a yellow star. And it, it snowballs into being moved into the ghettos. Yes, I say this as somebody who was raised in a Jewish house. It's a very weird dynamic, but it is that don't forget what happened. So that's, I, I think that we're dealing with a much more complex issue rather than just saying it's just, Oh look, it's not really anti-Semitism because from their perspective, First they came for the halal right. meats, and I said nothing because I was not a halal meat eater, and so on and so on. Right. And and a lot of households are raised with that, know your history, know your traditions, in case something of the magnitude of Hitler happens again. Right. To translate in, for Texans, remember the Alamo. Right. And you also have to remember that like in some of these countries, there are large contingencies now of neo-Nazism and everything else uprising. It's nice to say, look, it's, it's not anti-Semitism where we have moved past all of that for, I would say for these people, no, they haven't. Yeah. And I'm not defending it in any sort of way because I've kind of almost gone vegetarian (laughs) recently. So I don't agree with it, but I can understand some of their arguments, obviously not to the argumentatum ad Hitlerium, <laughs> but there is there is a history, and it is a recent history for it's, many it's of these people. Memory. It's in living memory, um, and, and that that just goes back to what I said earlier. I mean, you know, there are real examples of anti-Semitism out there. This um, change of regulations was not motivated by that. It was motivated by compassion for the animals but uh, as i say i can see where they're coming from but we've got to be very clear that this is about compassion for the animals there are real ugly forms of anti-semitism out there which i totally despise myself i will speak out against and have done for a very very long time um but by you have to be careful that by jumping straight to the charge of anti-semitism you could actually be doing that cause damage. Sure. I, and I completely agree with you. It's, it's crying wolf. It could be crying wolf. If you say that this ban of halal and kosher is anti-Semitism, the next thing that comes through, which is still kind of a gray area thing, it's not a wanting people to wear yellow stars and being in a ghetto, but it's something just a little bit insidious or a registration on government roles of what your religion is or something like that. It, it may make the public opinion of the next time come around not fall in your favor if everything to do with Judaism is anti-Semitism or not. Right, but you can also use the same argument they're using the opposite way by saying okay, it's sort of a slippery slope argument where, okay, well now if you allow the slaughter of animals in this way for religious purposes, then what's keeping you from 
allowing dogfighting and cockfighting because it's their religion. You could say, oh, well, my religion requires dogfights mm-hmm. and cockfights. So now you have to allow that because you allow this religious slaughter. Right. And I know that's a slippery slope. And I know that's almost a non sequitur argument. But you can turn it well, around on yeah, them because that- they, they, went, they went full on. So you can go full on the other way, too. Right. You could make the yeah. argument of, oh, since banning kosher and halal is against your religion and we're not going to do it, therefore, if you are a young woman and you are raped, you got to marry the guy. That's kind of a thing. Yeah, if to, you're going to follow biblical law, follow let's biblical. Let's fucking follow yeah. it. And, Either it's you know, all or nothing. Yeah. yeah, you know, and I'm sorry, and the mixture of fabrics <laughs> things gets to me. I, I personally think that people should be slaughtered for mixing their fabrics. Come on, <laughs> polyester I think, people, I think, just say no. I think, I think you mean patterns. No, I mean mixing <laughs> fabrics. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was saying earlier, women know coming to the aid of your man who is fighting and grabbing his opponent <laughs> by the testicles because you'll be losing your hand. Yeah, or exactly. doing anything one week out of the month. I think it even goes beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like you can't have sex for 80 days after the birth of a daughter, but it's right. only 40 days if it's after the birth of a son. Huh. That's wacky. Indeed it is. And there's a... Indubitably... <laughs> There's a difference between us being snarky about religion and saying it's wacky and really couching your argument against banning something and saying this has nothing to do with religious sentiment. We just want to treat everybody the same in that we want to have one standard of regulation for how animals are treated if they are our foodstuffs so that we're not making a special exception one way or the other for religion. It's just this is how it is for everybody, and that's really have to, you, how you have to explain it because that's how you have to do it here in the United States. Either our courthouse lawn has every religious monument or none, or you, you, we treat all the religions the same way in, uh, in daycare centers, or we don't have any regulation at all. And that's the constant argument, but we, you can't pick and choose who you're going to allow to run – a daycare without any regulation if they're Christian, but not if they're Muslim or atheist or all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, (laughs) it's, it's some ways why the whole separation of church and state is a good thing for us here in the United States, even if it does allow the crazies to make their arguments. At least we know what they are. Yeah. At least you, at least you know what they are and people get to uh, get to realize that they are crazy. Like Ted Nugent. Yes, indeed. Oh, God, let's not even discuss him. <laughs> I mean, when Rick Perry says, you know what, dude, you might want to rethink some of the shit you're saying. <laughs> when Rick the Hair Perry says that. Or, wait, or when uh, Pat Robertson says, um, <laughs> Bill Nye, you're making us look bad. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Or was it Ken, Ken Ham? Ham. Yeah. Well, I, I think that pretty much does it. I think we've reached the end of that discussion. Yeah. We've wound down. You got anything else to say, uh, uh, Richard? I mean, I'm about, to, I'm about to go through the what we learned portion. Before you do that, then, I just want to make one last plug. Um, yeah, I was going to say, give, give us your internet's information, your, your yeah, tweeters, I mean, your HTMLs, your... Yes, okay, well, um, you can find me on the Twitter at 
LT Zippy 2. There is a story behind that, but I'm not going to go into that now because that's another hour's conversation. And that's all one um, word, no hyphens or underscores? No, no, no hyphens, no, no, um, no, none of those underscore thingies on Twitter. So, yeah, LT Zippy 2. If there is anybody out there that is interested in joining the Atheist Alliance International as an individual member, uh, please go to our website there, which is www.atheistalliance.org. Org. Go to that. You can join as an individual member. If you are a member of a, an atheist group, which runs along democratic lines, please also consider putting your group forward as a member. So yes, please, please, please come and join us. We need your help. When I was at a conference um, in Boston last year, and one of the speakers says, one of the things that we've got to do is stop being squeamish about asking for money. Um, so I'm going to ask we have a donate page. We have a number of projects on there which need your help, including two schools in Africa, uh, one in Uganda, one in Gambia, two countries which I think really, really need more secular education. We have a number of other projects which you can also help us fund. Go along to the website, click on support AI, donate, and please, please, please help. But the best thing you can do is come and join us as an individual, take out a monthly membership, you will be helping us do a lot of good work across the world. And there's also the Atheism UK site? Yes, if it, yep, um, Atheism UK, uh, the website for that is www.atheismuk.com. Uh, we have a fairly thriving forum, which you can sign up for for nothing. But if you are a British listener and uh, you're interested in getting involved with that, you can also come and join us as a fee-paying member. So come along to that. Uh, we'd love to see you on there. So please, please, please come and join us as well. If you're not a British listener, you can still sign up as a free member and take part in the forums. Cool. cool. All right. Well, what did we learn this week or today or whatever? How to pronounce tomato. <laughs> tomato. <laughs> no, let's well, let's call the whole thing off. Sir. Ah! <laughs> we learned... Uh, Richard Honus is well on his way to global atheist organization domination. We learned that the gays are once again responsible for watery disasters. And we learned not the type you think it is, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not involving water sports at all. No, although apparently they can climb trees. <laughs> yes, yes, they can. Wait, uh, the, I, I saw the gays or the crocodiles? The crocodiles. Okay. Okay. They can also call, uh, climb fences, but that's yeah. kind of the same thing. Um, we learned that Penn Jillette has touched us all, but not in the creepy guy in the frock way. <laughs> we learned that it is difficult to find... Sorry. It is, my... We have learned that Gary cannot read his own handwriting. Yet again. Yeah. Didn't we learn that last ah, week? Here we go. We learned that it is difficult to find a balance between religious rights and the rights of other beings, and that the religious are very happy to throw out the religious discrimination card. But really, they're just upset that they probably would not be allowed to eat bacon after the ban. <laughs> it makes sense Only in my the head. The bacon double cheeseburger. Yes. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that was actually one of the first things that I did. When I really realized that what I was was an atheist, I had never had bacon. I was probably 19 years old before I had bacon. 
Man, that was a good burger. That explains a lot there's about a you, Donna. I don't know what, but it explains. Yeah, there's a wonderful story in Penn Gillette's book, God No, where an ex-Hasidic Jew came up to him after a show, and again, like Gary said, you know, you are the reason that I am now an atheist, but I have never eaten a bacon cheeseburger. And Penn and Teller turned around to him and said, right, let's go and get one. <laughs> It was a big moment, apparently, for this guy. <laughs> apparently, the, in, in fact, I, I know a lot of ex-Muslims over here who still haven't eaten bacon. And they've actually said it's actually one of the, psychologically, the dietary restrictions are one of the last things to actually go. Hmm. One of the last things to actually get over. And um, it sounds like that a lot of people have that experience, which is quite interesting. I still like Pendulette's idea of bacon and a kiss airlines. In that this is an airline where you don't have to go through any security screening. You don't have to wait in that line, the TSA, anything. The only requirement is before you get on the plane, you have to, one, eat a piece of bacon. Two, kiss passionately someone of the same sex. And then you're allowed on the plane and it doesn't matter. Considering I pretty much did that in front of a Chick-fil-A about a year ago. <laughs> I don't think that's really going to be a problem. Yeah, that's exactly the point. You're not going to be a terrorist, probably, if you're willing to eat bacon and kiss someone of the same sex. One of the things that was going around when I was in the Middle East, though, is that until you turn 32-ish, it's just experimentation <laughs> for, for the Muslims. So as long as they're under 32, that won't stop them for the, for the yeah. guy on guy thing. Hmm. And there was the whole thing with the uh, 9-11 guys who were living in Patterson. We're going to strip bars and drinking sure. and whatever because, e one, they were doing the whole martyr thing later on. So that was making up for it. But also it was just this was their reward on Earth. Okay. Yeah. That reminds me of a joke. Okay. And my rabbi growing up told me this joke. He goes, so there's this guy, Stanley, and he's, he's, he's in his hospital bed and he's dying. And he goes to his wife, Sylvia, and says, I want... A BLT. And his wife, Sylvia, is like, but Stanley, you've kept kosher your whole life. And he's like, no, this is what I want. So she goes, she gets it, and she brings it to him, and he eats every last bite. And she's like, I can't believe you did that. You're dying. You're, you're going to meet God soon, and, and you, you eat this sandwich. And he goes, when I am standing before God, and he tells me how I cheated Sidney Bernstein in business and how I was horrible to you and I worked too many hours and, and all of these things. I know when he gets to that BLT, he is near the end. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thank I, you for joining us for Bacon Podcast to this week. <laughs> that's right. Yes. Uh, thank you, Richard, for joining us all the way from the UK. Sounds like a sounds like we're introducing you all the way from the UK, Richard Honest, the... Well, well, I will I will say is, um, if any of you are around, I believe it's in early August and can be in Seattle for the Atheist Alliance of America convention, huh. I'm planning to go. Uh, I, 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 I tend to go to that, which is my uh, yearly trip to the States. So if you, any of you are planning to go to that, I'd love to see you there and uh, buy you all a beverage of your choice. Um <laughs> Please come along and uh, come see us and uh, Seattle, and I might buy, buy people some coffee. So if anybody is around, and if any listeners are, are going to be there, I look forward to seeing you. I'm the big bald British guy um, <laughs> <laughs> who goes to all these conferences and is a complete and total convention junkie. 
yes. And, I look forward to seeing people there. And can belt out a tune. Oh, yes. And can belt out a tune, yes. Excellent. All right, uh, Greg, Donna, and Richard, thanks for joining us. This Gary, week. Greg, and Richard, thank you. Uh, Donna, Gary, and Richard, thank you for joining me. And Richard. Gary, Donna, and Greg, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> We always enjoy having you, Richard, and, and I didn't mean that to sound as creepy as I just thought it <laughs> And hopefully we can have you back soon to discuss more, because this has been oh, wonderful. Absolutely. You are now absolutely. our official international correspondent. We oh, do have well, a I'm... few other listeners who give us comments from time to time, correct my chemistry assumptions, that sort of thing. But uh, <laughs> Call me bitchy. That's Ooh. someone completely different. <laughs> right. Well, it's my pleasure, and uh, when our schedules are mutually compatible... He I'm said sure schedules! That... <laughs> yes, that's the correct pronunciation of that particular word. He just rolled his R! <laughs> Richard, I think you have a fanboy. <laughs> it's a man crush. It's official. <laughs> Um, but yeah, when 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 uh, when our timetables uh, suitably um, mesh, uh, I'm glad to be back. Sweet, sounds good. We'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. All right. Bye, Bye folks. Bye. Bye. The Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the Podposted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. go three two one good enough right. <clears throat> harumph 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 give the governor a harumph harumph <laughs> i didn't hear a harumph out of that man give the governor a harumph <laughs> okay here we go yeah so are you doing stuff like um uh uh uh, uh oh what's that <sighs> damn it my, my brain has been missing for about uh uh, well, six months, a year, three years. Sure. Yes, sure. Close to three. But go um, ahead. you know, uh, I eyewitness testimony. No, uh, no, 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 no. It's more about it's more about um, doing trials on police tactics. Oh, okay. Do we uh, want to save this discussion for the show? Yes. No, can't. Can't talk about work. <laughs> oh, okay. I just thought you called me a cunt. Okay. <laughs> funny, funny enough he did <laughs> nice recovery richard yeah unfortunately uh, because again of regulations i can't talk about work in a public forum okay the safe word the safe word is tomato right okay well that would be tomato then yes <laughs> um, we're about to break out into song I presume you're singing. Yeah, I presume you're doing a, a very <laughs> off version of that. <laughs> oh, let's cool the whole thing off. <laughs> exactly. That works for me. So, what's the word? I'm methods? For? No, uh, organizations. Uh, PETA. There are many different advocacy.
Adversarial. <clears throat> Adversarial? Advocacy. Advocacy. Thank you. Oh, things for. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there are many different ad... <laughs> Advocacy. Thank you. Advocacy. Advocacy. <laughs> You're not doing another longitudinal study. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're just doing... Freudian penis. <laughs> <laughs> And don't retire it, because I, I actually quite enjoy that game. <laughs> Damn you, Richard! Damn way. you! I, okay, I think it just needs... We'll make it a vacation. <laughs> it, it, it needs a bit of a... Um, it's going, a going out of town. On for hi, it's on hiatus for a little while. No, but... it's on holiday. <laughs> sure. <sighs> okay. So, we're having an adversarial advocacy 